Please turn in your Bibles to Amos chapter 5, verses 7 to 15, and then verses 21 to 24. And of course, as always, we start out with John 3.16, but our Amos text is the one that we will be preaching off of. Amos chapter 5, verses 7 to 15 and 21 to 24. John 3:16 first. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amos chapter 5. There are those who turn justice into bitterness and cast <clears throat> righteousness to the ground. He who made the Pleiades and Orion, who turns midnight into dawn and darkens day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. With a blinding flash, he destroys the stronghold and brings the fortified city to ruin. There are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detests the one who tells the truth. You levy a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink that wine. For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet in such times, for the times are evil. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice, and let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to us, opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. A nation established firmly and completely by God, a nation with actual divine rights whose words and wisdoms were gifts from God specifically for them, a nation that watched dishonest people gain, that watched the oppressed become more oppressed, a nation that waited in their self-righteous whitewashed castles and denounced the devastation while doing nothing about it. A nation that knew God was going to come and punish the bad ones and give the good ones blessing. And they couldn't wait because they were sure it would be them that were blessed and everyone they didn't like, didn't accept, they would see punished. But God has nothing but harsh words for this attitude. These are people who refuse to see that God doesn't love them exclusively and does not love them to the point of desiring evil to their neighbors or others. Instead, 
These are people who are in for a rude awakening as to just how much they have missed the point about who God is and what God expects. Amos writes it out pretty clearly. God is not interested in their religious festivals and whatnot. God is interested in their sincere efforts to bring justice now, to promote righteousness now, to hate evil, love good, and maintain justice. Let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream, Amos says. These are the beautiful sounds in God's kingdom. God has asked the children of Israel to stop being self-righteous, certain of their position and their rightness. God tells the Israelites here and tells all of us today as well, Are you sure you're a godly nation? Are you sure? Because what I see is the continued evil of those who hate justice. Because what I see is the oppression of the poor who can't eat because you tax them. You say you are righteous. You say you are in a godly nation. But you take every opportunity to get yours from those who have Less. God does not approve of this behavior. God doesn't like it when babies are separated from their mamas at the border. God does not like it when families are ripped apart because we're afraid. God does not like it when people are treated poorly because of the color of their skin, the country they come from, or the language they speak. God expects and demands that our love for God become love for those around us who look different, who didn't come here the way we insist they come here, who don't have the privilege we do. You might say, Pastor, I don't have any privilege. I'm poor. And you're right. You don't have the same privilege as someone who is wealthy. But everyone has privilege. There's privilege that you have because you are not born with a different skin color. You have privilege because you are not treated differently because of the color of your skin or your language or even your religion. We have the opportunity to speak and act on someone else's behalf because we see them being mistreated or treated differently. And God has called us to stand for those who are being oppressed. Because if we don't, we're no different from the children of Israel all those years ago who let justice slide because they were convinced that they had the right of it with God's blessing. Because God had called the children of Israel to live differently. Their whole purpose for being was to show everyone else what it looked like to live for God and what God's love did for them. And they missed the mark over and over and over. And in this case, they were so certain that they were righteous, that they were making it seem like God's love was not something good to happen, but something that 
didn't allow for kindness and grace. And then when Jesus came and showed us all how to live lives of kindness and grace and generosity and mercy, we still divided the world into categories of us versus them and spent a lot of time congratulating ourselves on being the us's who were on the good side and not the them's that were on the bad. And meanwhile, Jesus keeps saying to us, hey, love them, love everyone, love them Because God loves. Because Jesus loves. Our scripture today from the gospel, the one that was in the lectionary today, tells us exactly how Jesus feels about this. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. There's no exclusionary paragraphs in there. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, give them your shirt. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you only love those who love you, nothing is different about you. Everyone loves the ones who love them, And if you only do good to those who are good to you, everyone does that. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of Jesus, the one we claim to follow. And if we claim to follow him and we can't love this way, then we need to ask him to help us do it. I heard an old Brad Paisley song yesterday called Bigger Fish to Fry. It's a very old Brad Paisley song. In it, he talks a lot about the us versus them, too. There's a lot of bad theology in in these lyrics, by the way. Today, I'm just pointing out this one theological error, but lots of this is not very theologically sound. It is, after all, just a country song, not a... Christian one. It says, I said a bad word when I was a kid. Mama said that I'd be sorry for the sin that I did. My daddy whooped me, and the preacher said shame, and I tried like hell to change. I cuss, I smoke, I laugh at dirty jokes, minor vices. Man, I know them well. I've closed down bars, and I've lusted in my heart. My exes think I ought to burn in hell, but the devil, he won't notice when I die. Because don't you figure he's got bigger fish to fry? Ooh. Oh yeah, politicians taking corporate bribes, crooked CEOs getting off with no time, Christmas Eve burglars stealing good children's toys. I cuss, I smoke, I laugh at dirty jokes, but those are minor vices. Man, I know I'm okay. I've closed down bars, I've lusted in my heart. My exes think I ought to burn in hell, 
but the devil, he won't notice when I die because he's got bigger fish to fry. Hmm. Brad's really saying here is, I'm not as bad as the really bad people. Obviously, they're the ones who need to worry about what's going to happen to them. I, uh, I, I just have this little stuff, this little stuff that's inconsequential. Except that's not how God describes it. God says, we're sinners. We are all in the same boat. We're all the same size fish. God has said that we all need the grace and mercy of Jesus. We all need it. But thanks be to God, he's given it to us. We don't have to wait for it. It's here. All we have to do is claim it. We just have to say, God, I know, I know, I know I have sinned against you. I know that these things that I have done, oh, that they weigh me down, that they tie me up. Oh, but God, I claim your mercy. I ask for your forgiveness. That is how God expects us to behave. We need redemption and the freedom that Jesus offers. And we need to stop thinking the other guy is worse and recognize that our own mistakes and errors and sins are compounded by the fact that we know better. And we ought to be more easily convinced to love first because we have been loved. It's our repeated mantra. God loved us enough so we can love others. It's the simplest way to frame the gospel. And it is good news. We don't have to wallow in an us versus them mindset and keep trying to build bigger walls to keep everyone else out. Instead, we can welcome everyone to the table. Everyone to the table. And love them no matter what they've done or how much we're different. Because the very same God who loved us, who loves us, the very same God who loved us enough, loves them enough too. And it's hard. It's not easy, but we don't have to do it ourselves. We do it through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that gives us the ability to love even the worst person in our lives. To love them even though it doesn't seem like they love us back. We can love bigger and better and differently and more completely because we can live loved. Because God loves us, we can love others. If you'd pull out your blue sheets, we're going to go through our
weekly sheet. Does anybody need them? Whenever you get to the bolded sentences on the page, what does it mean to say God loves? To create us, to form us from the dust. To let us fail, to let us choose our own way over God's. To let us chain ourselves to sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death. To provide a rescue, a way back, through wanderers, murderers, adulterers, defaulters, promise breakers, foreigners, strangers, and lovers. To show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. To show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up and how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. To send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. To see Jesus rejected, to see him die, to see him buried. To raise Jesus from the dead. And send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like Jesus. To want us to live like Jesus, an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit, redeemed, free, loved. To still let us choose our own destiny. To promise the hope of forever, of resurrection from the dead and final judgment. God loved us enough. God loves us enough. God will always love us enough. For God so loved the world. God loves you. God wants you to know it. God wants you to live in it. God wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved. God's love is expressed to us every week most tangibly as we gather at this table. The son who died and yet lives gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. So come, drink the wine, eat the bread, know you are loved. God loves you. Go love the world with him.